we are continuing our study through the 23rd Psalm. If you'll turn your Bibles there, Psalm 23. And tomorrow is Valentine's Day, so as you're turning there, some things to think about. How do you know if a calendar is popular? It has lots of dates. What do you call a very small valentine? A valentiny. Question, do skunks celebrate Valentine's Day? Absolutely, they're very sentimental. What did cavemen give their wives on Valentine's Day? They gave them Uggs and kisses. All right, one more. Why do melons have to be married in church? Because they can't elope. All right, you guys are going to be repeating. You know you're repeating them tomorrow, so don't give me those looks. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for the 23rd Psalm that will bail me out today. So, again, we're continuing through our study in the 23rd Psalm, and this morning, I want to talk about something we are all very familiar with, and that is stress. Amen? Most are all stressed up and have nowhere to go today, right? Our lives have become cluttered. We run here. We run there. We're always running late. We're, we're just trying to meet deadlines and cram everything into 24 hours, and, and that's kind of our lives, and it's almost taboo to be quiet and to be still, isn't it? Don't see much of that today. A lady was trying to call her pastor all day long but couldn't reach him. The next day, first thing in the morning, she called him and he immediately picked up. She said, I tried to call you all day yesterday. The pastor said, I'm sorry. That was my day off, my, my day of rest. The lady replied, well, the devil never takes a day off. And the pastor said, exactly. And if I didn't, I would be exactly like him. Amen. God wants us to be still. He wants his sheep, his children to be still. He wants us to be quiet at times and to lie down in those green pastures beside the still waters. Let's look at the 23rd Psalm. Let's just look at the first two verses this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. So do you know why we are so stressed? The answer is really, as we see here in this 23rd Psalm, it's because we are just like sheep. In Psalm 100, verse 3, the Bible says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. It is he, uh, I'm sorry, it is he who has made us and not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his 
pasture. Now, I want you to understand that being, a, being sheep is not really a compliment. Amen? God uses the analogy that we are his sheep, and it's not really a compliment because, you know, sheep are not the sharpest tool in the shed, if you know what I mean. Uh, to put it bluntly, sheep are kind of dumb. They're very ignorant. Amen? For us, God is referring to our spiritual intelligence. Our spiritual intelligence. In the Gospel of John chapter 3, we're introduced to a man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a master in Judaism. He was a rabbi, but he was a master in Judaism. Now, go to John chapter 3, and I want to I point out a couple things uh, in, in this passage. Verse 2, this man, talking about Nicodemus, he came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? What Jesus was saying was that Nicodemus, he was intellectually brilliant, but he was spiritually ignorant. He didn't understand the things of God. He didn't understand those spiritual truths. And in the spiritual realm, the, the things of the Spirit, the things of God, the things of the kingdom, God is letting us know that we are sheep. That on our own, we are, we are dumb and ignorant of those spiritual truths. That's why God calls us sheep. So, sheep are also defenseless. Defenseless. You think of a horse. A horse can run and it can kick to protect itself. A lion, well, we know about lions. They can bite and claw and chew. Dogs, they can run and bite. Even snakes, they, they can slither fast and bite. But sheep, they're slow. They have poor eyesight. And they have really bad hearing. They are relatively helpless on their own. They need a shepherd to watch over them. And to defend them. And we in our sins. We are hopeless and helpless just like sheep. Amen. Sheep also have a horrible sense of direction. See you learned something new today. You didn't know all sheep were females right? Horrible sense of direction. But yet we're the ones that always get lost and never ask for directions right? They get lost quite often. Amen. They just wander off looking for food with no sense of how far they've, they've actually gone. And before long, they're lost and alone. A horse, it'll always come back to the stable. A cow always comes back to the shed. A cat... <laughs> Has anyone ever tried to get rid of a cat? Doesn't happen. Bottom line, they all come home. 
but not sheep. It's not in their nature. When sheep wander off and they get lost, they have to be sought after. That shepherd has to find them and bring them home. And we are exactly like the sheep. Isaiah 53, 6. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Hosea eleven seven. God is saying, he says, my people are bent on backsliding from me. Though they call to the most high, none at all exalt him. Our sin nature causes us to wander from God, causes us to drift from God's side, causes us to get lost and stray into danger. The danger of the things in this world, amen? What else do we know about sheep? Sheep also have a dependency. They absolutely need someone to care for them. Many times, sheep get knocked over and they they get knocked on their back and they, they get stuck because they are unable to flip themselves over. This is called the cast position, C-A-S-T, the cast position. And I believe when when David declared in the Psalms, he said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? I believe that's what David had in mind, seeing that sheep helpless on its back in that cast position. Too often we fall into that that spiritual cast position. We get knocked down and, and we're downtrodden. But praise God, our good, our great, Our chief shepherd is there to pick us back up. Amen. So we are just like sheep. And that's why we get so stressed out. Now that we have a a more clear understanding, how do we make our way to those still waters? Well, we have to look in this beautiful psalm, Psalm 23. First thing I want us to consider is the the security that we have in our shepherd. The security that we have in our shepherd. Look at verse 2 again. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Who is he that this verse is talking about? We learned last week, didn't we? He is the shepherd. He is Jehovah, Jesus Christ, our shepherd. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ of the New Testament. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the one who gave his life for the sheep. He is also the great shepherd, the one who arose from the dead, having victory over death for his sheep, and he's also the chief shepherd, the one who is coming back to gather up and take home his sheep. Amen? That's who he is in verse 2. It's Jesus who makes us and leads us. Look at Matthew 9, verse 36. But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus looked upon the people and he saw how weary 
and tired and stressed out they were. And the Bible says here that he was moved with compassion. Now, when we understand, we, we dig a little bit deeper, that, that word moved into Greek literally means he was convulsed. He was hurting in one's core. And the word compassion means to feel or to suffer. And what God is trying to describe here is that Jesus felt their suffering in his very core. Amen? They were sheep. They were lost because they didn't have a shepherd. This is how he sees every single sinner. And this is exactly why he came and died for us. Amen? Bottom line, when you think of Jesus Christ, you think of caring and, and compassion. Isaiah 40, 11. Look at this beautiful picture that God gives us here. He, talking about the shepherd, Jesus Christ. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. Isn't that a comforting verse? Just picturing that shepherd cuddling the sheep. Aren't you glad that our shepherd is that tender with us? I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that he gives us what we need and not what we deserve. Amen. Many times as a young little lamb myself, he had to pick me up, he had to hold me close, and he had to carry me. Amen. Not only is Jesus full of care and compassion, but he's also full of courage. We looked a little bit at this last week, but John chapter 10. Skip down to verse 11. Jesus declared, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and, my, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Defenseless sheep, think about it. Out in the wild, out in the wilderness, they have a lot of enemies. And Jesus tells us here that a hireling, what is a hireling? A hireling is simply one who's hired. He doesn't own the sheep. He's been hired. Basically, he's talking about a false shepherd. They will run and they will hide as soon as danger comes. But Jesus, the good shepherd, he will never run. He will fight to the very death for his sheep. Jesus knew exactly what kind of excruciating and horrific death he would suffer and he would endure for us. He knew exactly what he was facing, and yet he never flinched on his way to dark Calvary. Amen. 
People believe when Jesus was in Gethsemane and he was praying and praying and he was, he was asking the Father if there were any other way. Jesus wasn't fearing the physical death on the cross. What Jesus was trying to, to see if, if there was any other way was the fact that he had to become sin. God himself in the flesh had to become sin for us. That's what he was praying about at Calvary or, or in Gethsemane. He didn't fear physical death, the pain, the suffering. That is the only thing he feared was having to become sin. Go up to verse 7. Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus declares not only is he the good shepherd, but he is also the door of the sheepfold. That means nobody goes in or out except through him. Amen. Nobody goes in or out except through him. Skip down to verse 28. Jesus said, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Underline that in your Bible. That is eternal security. Amen. No one, including ourselves, can snatch ourselves out of Jesus' hands. Once we are born again, once we are saved, we are in the almighty hands of Jesus himself, and nobody can take us out. Amen? That's security. And that is the first step in dealing with stress, is understanding the security that we have in Christ, our good shepherd. Second thing I want us to consider, not just the security of Christ, but also the sufficiency of our shepherd. Let's go back to verse 2 again in the 23rd Psalm. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Notice here he's not, he didn't say he, he um, makes me lie down in brown withered pastures, does it? It doesn't say raging waters. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. All I need and more is found in Jesus Christ, my shepherd. Amen. That's what we need to understand. Another reason we get stressed out is, we, is because we think that we are not going to have think about it. We think that we're not going to have. We think that our needs will not be met. And then we panic, we worry, and we let fear take over, don't we? Are we guilty of that? Absolutely. You know, when we run out of money before the end of the month, right? Too much month for the amount of money that we have, we start to worry. We start to panic. How are we going to pay this bill or that bill instead of trusting? Matthew chapter 6, probably one of the greatest chapters dealing, uh, dealing with our stress and our worry. Skip down to verse 25. Therefore I say to you, Jesus speaking, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. 
It is, uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We worry about food, and, and boy, especially today with the prices at the grocery store, don't we? You know, we worry about these things, about food and, and clothing and mortgage and all the bills that pile up. But Jesus said, listen, it's after all these things that the Gentiles seek. Who are the Gentiles? Well, in the Bible, when you see the word Gentile in the New Testament, it's talking about those who are unsaved, those who don't know the good shepherd. He said, those, those are the ones who worry about these temporary material things. Now, I'm not saying that food and shelter is not important, amen? But what I'm saying is, how we prioritize our needs is the most important thing. Amen? In verse 33, Jesus said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What Jesus is telling us here is that our spiritual need is our greatest need above anything else. Amen? And if we seek God first and we seek his righteousness and his kingdom, then he will be our shepherd and he will meet our every single need. And if he has given his promise, and I can tell you right now, he has not failed on one promise over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Amen? Not one. So we can be rest assured he will meet our every single need. Psalm 22. Verse 26. Says the poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him and praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. Now think about that psalm. Who will eat and be satisfied? Those who seek those who praise Jesus Christ, amen, their Lord. They eat of the manna from heaven. He's talking about spiritual food. He's talking about feasting on the spiritual food that satisfies. Jesus is that manna from heaven, amen? Skip down to verse 29 in that same psalm. It says, all the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. 
All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him, even he who cannot keep himself alive. The prosperous. Who are the prosperous? If we read this psalm, he's talking about those, those big, healthy, uh, uh, fatted sheep. They are the ones who are prosperous. They are the ones who trust in their shepherd to provide their every need. So when we, when we read about those green pastures and those still waters, we need to understand what is the spiritual significance? What is God truly talking about? Well, when he talks about green pastures, he's referring to his word. He's he's referring to the Bible. And when he mentions those still waters, that represents the peace of his Holy Spirit that indwells us the moment of salvation. Amen? He's talking about the peace that only comes through him. Our satisfaction lies 100% in Jesus Christ because he and only he can meet our every need. Matthew 4.4. 4. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need to understand that the Bible, God's word, is to our spiritual life, As bread, physical bread, literal bread is to our physical life. Amen? We can't live without it. Our spiritual life, we cannot live without the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. Plain and simple. Can't live without it. Matthew 5, 6. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Think about that for a moment. What what does blessed mean? It means happy. We we hear all the time, you can just just switch the word happy for blessed. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It's content. It means being 100% satisfied. And I want you to think about this. How many people do you know truly hunger and thirst for righteousness today? How many? How many truly hunger and thirst for green pastures? They hunger and thirst for those still waters. Not many at all. And this is why so many are stressed out today. Notice Jesus didn't say here, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for happiness, did he? Righteousness. Why? Because the most miserable people are the ones that are trying to seek happiness in this world. They will search one end of the world to the other to try to find happiness, but we need to understand happiness is based on our circumstances. When things go good, Absolutely, we're going to be happy, amen? But as soon as trouble comes and trials comes and hardship comes, what happens? We're not happy. But in Jesus Christ, if we truly hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Bible says we will be filled. Why? 
because he gives us of his peace and his security, and we have joy no matter what the circumstances are. Satisfaction and and true contentment only come when we rest in the sufficiency of our Savior. Amen? You know, to kind of put it in a little bit different terms, say you woke up and your arm was red and swollen and painful. You decide to go to the doctor, and, and you go to the doctor, you understand that, that that redness and that swelling and that pain, they're only symptoms of something deeper, isn't it? You know, you understand they're, they're just the symptoms of the true problem. Now, you get to the doctor, and suppose a doctor gives you uh, some medication, but that medication is only to treat the pain not fixing the true problem is it sure we want the pain to go away but more importantly we need that medication to fight that infection that that cause of those symptoms the cause of that pain and we need to understand that we all have a deadly infection and it's called sin amen we all have that deadly infection called sin And when people seek after happiness, what are they doing? They're only treating the symptoms of sin. Sin is what brings us down. Sin is what what hurts us. Sin is that pain that we endure through life. Those hardships. Those are all the results. Those are all the symptoms of the true problem of sin. But seeking Jesus Christ and his righteousness, you see, that will cure the sin infection. Amen. We have to go after its source. He is sufficient, and in him we are secure. Third thing I want us to consider. I want us to consider the security we have in our shepherd. Going back to verse 2 again. Psalm 23. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Notice again, it doesn't say that he leads me to stand in those green pastures, does it? When we come to those green pastures, what does he want us to do? Lie down. Amen. Rest. He makes me to lie down in those green pastures to rest. You see, something else about sheep, they are very anxious and restless by nature. Sheep will not lie down, they will not rest until they are content, until they're full, until they're satisfied. Today, everyone's in a hurry. I'm always running late, how about you? Amen? Isn't that how it seems? Always running late, going here, going there. We don't take the time to slow down. We don't take the time to be still in our Lord, to experience his peace, that peace that passes all understanding. Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest you shall be saved. 
in quietness and confidence shall be your strength, but you would not. Think about that. 46th Psalm, verse 10. God simply says, be still and know that I am the Lord. Amen. Shouldn't that be enough for us? You know, we think about it in its most simplest terms, and that should be enough. Be still and know that I am the Lord. If we believe that he is who he says he is, boy, that's enough. But do we live in a way that says, that that shows that we believe God is who he says he is? Do we truly live in that way or, or do we live in fear and worry and anxiety? You know, every time we worry about something, we are letting God down. It's a slap in God's face. It's saying, God, I don't believe you can take care of this problem for me. God, I don't believe that you're powerful enough, you're strong enough, you're big enough to handle this situation. Every time we fear, we are failing God and we are saying, God, you're not strong enough to handle this enemy that's before me. And anxiety is just a combination of those two, worry and fear. We have to take the time to lie down in those green pastures. We have to take the time to to just slow down and to feed on God's word to let him speak to us. All throughout the psalm, God gives us that message, starting right in Psalm 1. Psalm uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Verse 1, he talks about, Blessed is the man, content, satisfied is the man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? It's what God declares right from wrong, amen? The Bible. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Now, that word meditate today kind of has a a negative connotation in Christian walks of life, but it's biblical. We need to truly understand what meditate means and and that Christians, we are to meditate. It says that uh, his law, he meditates on day and night. Psalm 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. 119th Psalm. Verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. So the question is, how often? How often do we not just feed on his word, not just read the Bible? How often do we meditate on it? How often do we read it and just stop and slow down and just get still? 
and stay quiet and just meditate on what we read. When we read God's word, that's God speaking to us. Amen? How often do we stop after we read it to allow God to speak to our hearts? How many of us, after today's service, sometime this afternoon, just stop and be still and get quiet and meditate on the message that God gave us? How often do we just let it sink into our hearts? We all have stress, right? We all allow stress into our life. So how do we cure it? Well, the only cure for stress is to come unto Christ, the shepherd of our very soul. Amen? Find his security, find his sufficiency, and find the serenity that we have in him.